local camera, let me know how the sound is. I'm going to flip over to the local camera. Boom. Doesn't really make that much difference. It's just another angle, but at least you're not just staring me directly in the eye, which is super weird for a show that we're used to doing with a group of people. Uh, again, please check in with me. Let me know how we're sounding here. We do have a good show for you today. Great show for you today. Uh, we've got Mean Gene, uh, grower for aficionado. He's going to be calling in. He's on vacation, celebrating a well-deserved set of wins. Uh, he won five out of the top 15 cups at Emerald's Cup. But we're going to get him to call in for about five minutes. Shout up about what he's doing right there. There was a discussion going on uh, on Facebook about uh, rosin, specifically about whether parchment will yield silica off to the rosin, etc. Uh, all sorts of stuff going on. I'll go through the details with you, and if I can use this fancy software a little better, I may even be able to uh, show it to you. I'm still figuring out how to use media. This is kind of like what Larry Reed was using. What I do think is that uh, you guys can see this cool watermark up here. Uh, I can do a little graphic overlay and stuff like that. Uh, may not be able to take it too far. Also coming on today, uh, we got Adam calling. He's going to call in from D.C., of course. Tell us about some of the cool stuff he's got going there. Uh, guys, I'm going to do another camera pan just to make sure the sound will stay when I do it. Boom. Let me know it works well. Sounds like some of you are still having choppy audio. Most of you are looking good. I'm going to do the show again. If you're having choppy, try reloading because it sounds like it's working for most people. Uh, I don't know if you guys want news, news, news today. Usually I fill this up with like half an hour of us just chitty chatting. Um, but there's just me and it's going to kind of seem like I'm talking to myself the whole time, which would be super weird. So I'm going to go ahead and, uh, shoot a text over to our buddy Jim Frere, get him lined up and, uh, see if we can't get this, uh, this moving here. Uh, hopefully you guys are having some fun out there in Chatland. I pulled back some really cool goodies. Uh, from Emerald Cup, and while we're waiting for Jim, uh, I'm going to show you some of them. So I'll probably switch back to my local cam here. Uh, one of my favorite things I got, one of my favorite moments of Emerald Cup, uh, Emerald Cup was awesome. Um, I felt like, I don't know, you guys probably saw me at the Chalice show, kind of hating life, totally hating Chalice. And not really feeling like it was a representation of what I signed up for, as it was, as it were. Um, what I mean by that is it just wasn't the culture, man. It wasn't, it wasn't what I was about. You know, I signed up for this. Signed up for this. I started putting my life towards cannabis because I care about the plant. I care about the industry or the image or tech or this or that. So when I went to Chalice, it was whole bunch of, I don't know, for lack of a better term, people there because it was a cool place to be. By contrast, Emerald Cup was not the cool place to be. Emerald Cup was the place you were there because you cared about it. And uh, frankly, it was pretty amazing the difference that made. Um, sorts of people came out, the people specifically came out, uh, it just wasn't the same crowd as you usually see. Highlight of my Emerald Cup was uh, Adam and I were walking along. Now, I'd been emailing Bodie back and forth, who we will get on the show. Uh, Bodie had uh, sent me a picture of this uh, Laotian landrace herb that he was growing and said, Hey, if I see you at the cup, I'll, I'll throw you some. And it was, you know, your typical tropical herb. You have a super spindly landrace herb. I've never met Bodie before. Uh, so when I didn't know what to look for, but 
but uh, we were walking around, saw this dude with uh, his bag, and here's some of that land race. Kind of crazy on the structure. I don't know if this camera's doing it justice. Looks pretty good from there, but it's totally like what Adam would call Dr. Grinspoon type bud. Very leafy, not very calyxy, but the smell. It's just this old thing that you don't really smell anymore. It's really, really a cool thing, a uh, cool gift. Obviously, this doesn't look like it. The other exciting thing Bodie gave me, in terms of Bud, at least, was uh, this right here. Uh, you know how much we love the skunk here and how much we talk about how it's extinct and skunk terps are gone and they don't exist anymore? Well, that's not true. That's not true. Skunk terps are here. I'm holding them right here in my hand. Uh, this is Roadkill Skunk Cross. Obviously not trimmed, obviously still full of the fan leaves, and obviously you can't smell it through the computer. But I assure you, it smells like the skunk. That's what it is at Emerald's Cup, man. It's the fact that some dude could be holding stuff like this, and a crowd of seven dudes are around them. You know, excellent growers, master breeders, all this. A crowd around excited about it. Because if you went to any other cup with some bud untrimmed, people would kind of like make the judgment before they even assessed what it People would say, oh, you didn't even trim it? Like, how, what are you doing showing that off? Um, but that's not the vibe at Emerald's Cup. The vibe was very much like, people who could appreciate, wow, that's some rare genetics. I don't see that structure a lot, etc., etc." So it was definitely uh, extremely exciting. The other cool thing Bodie gave me, and this was like, I did not expect, I did not know he had. He gave me a copy of the original Dark City Bank catalog from 1985. Um, I'm going to go over and try to show it to remote. So guys, bear with me on that. Super cool. Uh, JJ posted a couple pictures of this on his Facebook to kind of show off what we had going on. Uh, Adam had showed it to him, but I mean, this is the classic, man. This is the original seed bank catalog. And I'll pan back over here because. That was a little silly. Um, hope you guys are digging that. I got Jim Frere calling in. I'm going to pick him up on Skype and see if we can get him on the line. Hello, Jim. Howdy, howdy. Uh, can you hear me all right, man? I sure can. How's everybody at ADS today? Oh, it's just me today, bud. Oh, you're holding the seat alone. Yeah, I'm uh, driving the whole ship. I don't know if everyone can hear you all right. I'm going to wait for the uh, chat room to confirm for me. Howdy, howdy. Uh, can you hear me all right, man? Oh, yeah, we're getting I echoes like crazy, Jim. Oh, it's just me today, bud. Jim, let me call you back. Jim, let me, let me, uh, let me text you in a sec. Yeah, we got into an echo tunnel right there. That was a little crazy. I got to figure out the audio settings on this thing, and we'll have Jim call right back. Sorry, that was super messy. Um, so, yeah, audio mixer. Skype's going to come in. I'll get Jim back in a second. Sounded good. It's better with him on the phone. Skype was good. If you guys could hear me. Yeah, you guys could hear me? All right, we'll do it again. It was echoing like crazy for me, but if it wasn't for you, that's kind of all that matters, right? All right, let's uh, give Jim right. Let's get Jim back then. Let's try again. Thanks for bearing with me, guys. Obviously, the kid's uh, now, sorry, kid's no longer with us. The champ is squishing rosin like a champ. Adam's out there. It's kind of a 
Got a little tricky, but we're going to make it work. Um, at least I got camera transitions. I'll probably just keep doing this. Oh, that's cool, huh? How about this? Boom, colored bars. Oh, beep. Bringing it back. You guys don't need that ridiculous tone. I'm going to call Jim again. Jim, do I have you again, man? How's this? Is it going to be better? Yeah, you were coming in clear. I was just hearing an echo, but uh, I thought the audience was too. But maybe not. Um, who knows? Who knows? I'm going to tinker with one setting real quick. Um, why don't you chat for a second, and I'll be right back. Okay. Uh, hello? <laughs> <laughs> All right, buddy. Don't worry about that. Sounds like we're doing uh, good. Everyone says yeah, we're doing good. Yeah, I guess what I'll do is I'll, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to plug uh, what's going on in my world right now. Yeah, do that. What's going uh, on with you, man? To drop it on the community that... Uh, uh, our distribution company, Highly Distributed, is going to be featured in uh, Business and Focus. It's a non-trade uh, business magazine. We're going to be one of the first cannabis uh, distribution companies featured in a non-cannabis publication. Uh, Applied Synergy Botanicals, our company, is going to be featured in that article. And uh, we're very excited about it because it's breaking into the business business world in a big way. Uh, breaking down some old doors that have stood for a long time, and we're really happy about it. Yeah, that's that is exciting. Um, and it's exciting to know it's you and not one of these corporate bastards who's just showing up last month. Yeah, that's one of the things that we're excited about is that Highly Distributed is really committed to the uh, the family farm model, and uh, you know, here in Oregon, we have a hell of a battle ahead of us, just fighting off the, the corporate dollars and pushing out what's been in, in, in play in Oregon for a number of years already. Right. So we're just, uh, we're just very excited about having that little boost and, uh, and hoping that, you know, he, as these laws get sorted out, uh, you know, we can uh, maybe set a little bit of an example and give other people a leg up down the road. Well, we love it, buddy. Um... So, I just want to give one quick shout out on what I'm about to be smoking on here for the uh, audience. They saw me jump off camera for a second to go grab something to get this dry sift out of this jar with. Chris from Headhunter Extracts caught us backstage after he just won his third place award and gave me this remo truly remarkable dry sift. Uh, so I'm going to be enjoying that while we chat. Um, yeah, rub my nose in it. Hey man, you can call it. I'm sure you got plenty to rub my nose in out there. <laughs> So, man, I was so excited to catch up with you yesterday. We've been out of touch for a while. I don't know how much you've been following the Rosin Tech discussions and things like that. But, obviously, uh, Ryan, the champ from our show, Rosin guy, and he sort of follows him on Instagram, not in the Facebook groups. And I'm plugged in on the Facebook groups, and I saw this discussion evolving about, hey, you can't use parchment paper because somehow the heat and pressure is making some magic thing from the outside of the parchment or something get in your rosin. Um, it didn't sound scientific to me, uh, despite the lab coats and the videos. Uh, so then the way they proved this was that they took some rosin and they dissolved it in alcohol, and they saw some, what I would call precipitate. Uh, and everyone was saying, well, no, 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 that has to be silica, a chain of silica, which is really weird to me because, like, how much silica is actually on, you know, four square inches of parchment paper, it's like a nanometer thick coating, so it was a little suspect to start with, 
but um, that conversation evolved and hundreds of people were looking for alternate materials, uh, stopped using parchment entirely. You had people talking about uh, trying to use PTFE, which seemed to, I mean, I, I personally would rather keep parchment paper than PTFE if I'm do, using it with some lipids like we're talking about. But, uh, exactly. Uh, parchment paper is basically designed to not contaminate fats and lipids because you cook with it. That's what uh, I figured. Of course, when you're talking about these kinds of, it's not necessarily designed to work at the pressures we're talking about. Uh, you know, uh, you can put parchment paper in a pressure cooker. Sure, you probably can, and that's much more, how much pressure is a pressure cooker? I mean, uh, using well, you're, well, you're talking like, uh, you know, 16 to 20 PSI, but you're also talking in temperatures in the, you know, mid-200s. Uh, you're talking about relatively high temperature and pressure, getting into the range of rod and pressing, maybe not quite to that degree. Uh, and, you know, you see parchment paper just in day-to-day -day use, it'll brown. Right. Uh, if it was going to be a hazardous problem with it, with it browning, uh, when it browns, if it was going to give off anything, that's when it would do it. During the browning process, you're saying? During when the paper actually turns brown, that chemical reaction, if it was going to release anything, that's when it would happen because the paper itself is breaking down. There's nothing for it, like whatever's on it to hang on to. So what we know from, uh, at least, you know, looking at the paper when you squeeze in the rosin press, it's like, it almost has a matte finish, and then after you've pressed on it, the area that was pressed takes on a gloss finish, which, which to me kind of makes sense. Like, I feel like almost anything you put in there will get squished so fat it will be smooth. It's like uh, polishing your shoes or something. Yeah, and, you know, that can be just as, that can be attributed to just, you know, pressing out the, the fibers of the, of the paper itself. Yeah, I mean, like, I think of it, again, in terms of, like, polishing shoes, and the whole purpose is, you know, once you have made the surface completely flat so there are no pits and that everything is totally flat, it reflects light differently, and it, it feels different, you know? It feels like plastic rather than leather. Um, yeah. So, I imagine that's pretty much what's happening. You're polishing the parchment, in a sense. That, that's what I would consider it to be happening, absolutely. Uh, uh, Basically, you're talking about a, a just regular white paper. They spray a coating on it um, and roll it up. Don't they uh, like use acid to dissolve something to make it non-stick or something like that? Uh, there's a whole process that goes involved with it. In there, there's there's acidification. And they apply some sort of a, I believe, the silicone. Uh, and, you know, all these things, they're applied in extremely small amounts, just barely enough for the product to actually work uh, because of economics. They're not going to be laying the, uh, the non-stick material on in excessive amounts in any way. In fact, they're going to lean towards the other direction and use, use it to the minimum. Yeah, I mean, they would try to get away with as little as they can, you'd think, right? Exactly. You know, they're not going to go heavy on any any of these chemicals because that costs money and that that takes away from the profit margin of the product. That makes sense. Uh, so the amount of non-stick material, whatever is going on, 
shown to be uh, non-toxic at the temperatures it's going to be used. And there's no and warning on the package saying only use it in your oven up to the, I mean, I use it in my oven at home for cooking up to, I don't know, oil temperatures, 500 plus F. Exactly. And what happens to the paper at that temperature? It curls a little bit, but it browns a little bit, but it doesn't seem to give anything off to the food. Exactly. If it did, there would be a problem. Uh, and someone would have been sued by now. We're using something uh, uh, nasty on the, on the material, there would be a problem. Sure. And, uh, you know, it would, have, it would have arose a long time before people started getting out their sister's hair presses. <laughs> so that's, that's just where I'm at with this whole, like, let's worry about parchment now. Uh, what they need to worry about is what's precipitating out of it. And right, that's so that's what's really happening. When they do that methanol thing, that's just something precipitating out, right? It's so yeah, it's held together and it's broken apart and now it's just floating free. And uh, it will not hold a, an alkane. Now what, what does that mean? That it won't hold a, a wax or a lipid. It just won't. Uh, alkane. What is that? Yeah. And why, <laughs> so why is it that when it goes into solution like that it just separates? Because the... The lipids are insoluble in methanol. Uh-huh. So everything else is dissolving, but the lipids aren't. Exactly. That makes sense. And what happens is they form a, a, a hydrogen-bonded type of uh, arrangement, a pseudo-crystallization, a it's called lyotropic crystallization. And that's why we use it for de-waxing, right? Like, that's the whole point of de-waxing. Pardon? That's the whole point of using alcohol to de-wax in a solvent extract, right? Exactly. That's, that's, all, that's all that's happening, is they're using a, a secondary solvent de-waxing. And so, and why is it not, I don't get why everyone's like not carrying that through. We do it all the time for BHO, all of a sudden people do it for rosin and they assume there's got to be silica in there. I don't know why they would assume that when, when the process of making rosin is melting trichomes. Yeah, I, I guess you're a chemist, not a psychologist, so you couldn't, you couldn't answer that question. That was a bad question on my part. I, I came up on the psychology of cannabis a long time ago. <laughs> so it, it absolutely thwarts me. Uh, no, I, you know, I don't understand why people don't you know, make the connection. The trichome is a sphere of wax containing the cannabinoid resins. It contains plasmids as phenols, it contains plasmids as terpenes. Um, when you heat them up, all that gets blasted apart, melts together into a goo, and the pressure squeezes it away from the point of heat. And you get rosin. It's the same stuff we used to scrape off the side of hash bags that just come out of the press. Sure. So, Rosin, are you telling me Rosin wasn't invented this year, Tim? They just melted trichomes uh, that, you know, uh, they're clean because they haven't got a lot of, of, uh, of plant material uh, to adulterate it or color it. So, you get this nice, clean, clear looking product. Uh, but it doesn't change the constituents that went in. 
in that product, which are basically the trichrome. Right. Boxes cannabinoids, terpenes, also. So, and obviously, the reason it's different than when we go with, uh, compared to, say, um, like when we, when we run a solvent extract and then put that in methanol, is that that already is selectively left behind a lot of that stuff, right? Because it's it's so polar. It's not a whole trichome extract, as it were. Well, there hasn't been enough work done on the solubility of these uh, lipid fractions in the solvents being used, but there hasn't been any, any work done at all. I mean, can, can you tell me what the solubility of cannabis pure cannabinoid resin is in butane? No, I, I would call you if I needed the answer to that, honestly, Jim. I said it has that answer. No, it doesn't exist. Okay. Uh, <laughs> if it does exist, it's something that somebody's worked out by playing with a lot of different experimentation, and, you know, it's not part of, the, of public knowledge or... or even research. Yeah, I mean, uh, your, your knowledge base in my mind goes way deeper than the average uh, public knowledge. So I'm going to say, if, if you don't know it, it's not there. Well, yeah, I just, I really, you know, maybe some of the more technical extractors have a ballpark figure for the uh, absolute solubility of cannabinoids in butane or in propane or in... What does that mean, absolute solubility? Are you talking about how much it, what the maximum amount you can dissolve is type thing? And is that solution saturated? So that it won't... Um, unless you add more solvent, ain't no more... A milligrams per milliliter saturates that solution. Sure. Uh, it's kind of like, uh, at that point... Unless you have more solvent, you can't extract more into the solvent you have, right? Exactly. It's like uh, uh, a saturated brine. Uh, you add more salt to it, all you get is salt on the bottom of the cup. Right, it's just not dissolving in there anymore. Okay, that makes sense. So, you know, the fact that, you know, these numbers don't really exist about what is a supersaturated solution of, of uh, cannabinoids in a given solvent, uh, the solubility of lipids in cannabinoids is an important figure to know that is not known. So, cover that one for me. That would be the solubility of the lipids in the trichome itself, that is? Well, that would be, okay, when you blow out uh, a glop of, uh, of resin. Sure. Purging. Um, at what point... Does it become a mixture of discrete substances like uh, uh, waxy crystals precipitated out of the resin? Like what we saw in that uh, uh, rosin photo? What point does it maintain a homogeneous consistency? Mm -hmm. uh, that is the point of how much of these lipids dissolve in the resin. Because when they start to crystallize out, I mean, yeah, there's a lot of theories about THCA being the crystallization, uh, and it very well could be the nucleation point. But the crystals that you see, like in the crystalline matrix, like in butters and stuff, that is not all THCA. That is a large portion of the lipids also. They're probably crystalled by the THCA, but... Uh, I would lean more towards 
the THC agent see crystalline as opposed to being an actual crystalline matrix that uh, just drops right out of a resin solution. So, uh, help, help, help us unpack what you mean by that, takes, Jim. It takes some acid to get that shit to work. Gotcha. When you say acid, you mean like the chemical, not not the drug? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you gotta drop four hits before that stuff works. You never know with the old timers. A lot of times that can be the case. <laughs> so, uh. Yeah, it's, and then it helped me through organic chemistry immensely. I bet. Uh, no, it, it really is, it, you know, there's, there's a lot of physical data that is just not existing. Uh, and, you know, it. it Okay. That's, that's what government grants and dedicated research labs are about. Well, so do you think the U.S. government has this stuff somewhere? We don't get government grants and we don't get dedicated research for shit. Right. Everything that's happening is happening in a vacuum. It's happening, and I'm not, I'm not to put this guy down in any way because he's got some, you know, he's right. You do the same thing the same way every time. You be consistent. Um, but... You know, throwing um, on a lab coat and making some dilute solutions is not analyzing the problem. And that's kind of my uh, first response before I even tagged you on it was like, okay, you've, you've dissolved this stuff. You can you can tell there's something there. But don't you think you're kind of putting the cart before the horse to say that that is definitely silica or something like that? I mean, shouldn't you at least filter it out and look at the stuff? Scale up the experiment. Get a measurable quantity of that substance, analyze, isolate it, and analyze it before you make a pronouncement about what it is. That I guess, the isolating it I got, but scaling it up is a great point that I didn't even think of. The idea that you'd have a measurable quantity of it, something you'd be able to look at it and be like, oh, this is this. Because uh, if you were to do that and get a measurable quantity of it, isolated it, Filtered, solvent taken off of it. As soon as he heated it up over, I think it's right around 115 to 120 degrees, mm -hmm. it'll melt into a. Oh, sorry, you cut out there, Jim. Uh, it would melt uh, into what? It's about 120 degrees, that'll melt into a puddle of clearish wax. And then you would know it was wax, obviously. You would know it was wax, you could touch it, you could feel it, you could light it on fire, you could do all the things you do with wax. Uh, and I think that's sort of the wise way to go, moving ahead. I think uh, we have to be conscientious about that sort of thing and, and realize that we can't, you know, the, the impact, sort of alarmist impact uh, that resonated online based on a hypothesis, seeing something in a vial is like, it disturbed people. A lot of people freaked out. A lot of people spent a bunch of money. I guess no one got hurt, so it's not the end of the world. But, but look, to me, it's like, uh, why make those mistakes? It, do, it's, it certainly doesn't come off as hyper-professional. It comes off as kind of the opposite. Well, that's because this industry is driven by hype over science. Uh, you know, uh, Walden came out. People could figure it out that they could create dabs with a, with a hair press sure. and shit just went fucking crazy. <laughs> Everybody went nuts and that was the new big thing. It was a new great thing. It was like when BHO came out. Everybody was like loving on it and hating on it and loving hating it and you know everything in between. So and 
we are down the road, uh, BHO has substantially changed. I mean, we still get, uh, you know, a lot of the raw guns, but by and large, people are starting to get wise to taking the liquid fraction out. Right. You know, they're starting to get wise to, hey, maybe we don't want pesticides in our shit, since it's how we're concentrating them. Uh, there's been some progress. Uh, the rosin thing, I think, is a great thing because uh, it takes people who might have gone and bought a can of butane and puts them in Walmart in the hair department. Sure, and sure. It's safer as far as a public production thing. I'm curious why it's like wasn't popular in the past. It, it seems like a logical... People were pressing hash forever, as you said. I mean, the first time I put a hair straightener to hash was to press it, not to make rosin from it. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, all you had to do, all you, you didn't even know, all you had to do was just squeeze a little harder. <laughs> I guess that's it. But someone must have with those old presses, I mean, those things put a, there were the, you know, the not-heated presses put a lot of pressure on there. And I know people have combined them. Well, you know, back in 78, I had a dedicated hash press made. And it was a screw press, and I had an inch and a half bolt and a four-foot handle on the bolt. So I could apply extreme pressures. Yeah, seriously. Uh, we would squeeze, I would throw that press in the oven uh, because of that. I unscrew the, unscrew the bolt out of it, throw the press in the oven, and then load it up and squeeze the shit out of anything I had. And I'd squeeze, I don't know what we called it back then, it was just. If you squeeze the bed, it was clear and it came out. If you squeeze hash, it was kind of reddish and it came out. And that was rosin. We just didn't know what to call it. So you guys were smoking it, though. You were pressing it and smoking it. You knew that it was squeezed tight enough. And were you guys collecting it and smoking it, or was that like a waste material? Oh, no, we collected it. Okay. Yeah, I definitely collected it. It was like the, the bonus material you got from, from, uh, well, there for a while, uh, when high quality cannabis first started popping up, high quality green cannabis first started popping up, um, it was kind of popular to press it into hard, like, and smoke up the cash. Huh, like, interesting. So people did intentionally turn it into brickweed to just make it denser, uh, burn longer or something? a smaller package to carry. I mean, you got to remember, back then, um, it was a different climate. If you got caught with pot, it was a lot, of, you, got, you could get a lot of freaking trouble. But having that, you know, having that ounce be the size of a credit card, as opposed to being a big fluffy bag, was a bonus. Interesting. And you take, and you could still take that little credit card, and it was maybe a quarter inch thick, three inch thick, and like I said, the size of a credit card, you can take that, you can still bust it up and roll a joint. Right. But, you know, uh, it was a smaller package and it was more attractive to people who, you know, had had previous encounters carrying a baggie. <laughs> so, so, this whole pressing thing is, this is, and the rosin, the new, the, the new rosin tech type thing, it's just that, evolution of what's been going on with cannabis for a really long time. Heat and pressure, they do things to the uh, to the product 
uh, been noted in in both herb and uh, and in hash that heat and pressure change the product beneficially. So making rosemary, you're making uh, a more pleasurable product to the nail. Uh, it's easier on your lungs than raw hash that still contains cellulose. Uh, it's, you know, it's a good thing. It's a good thing. Uh, and, and spending too much time dissecting something that is just a sim very simple good thing, um, it doesn't benefit anything. Uh, worrying about parchment paper in the amounts, uh, even if that stuff, when you hit it, that shit just outgassed like a motherfucker. Hmm. The amount of shit that came off, you would need to have a, a very high-end analytical machine to find it in your finished product. Um. Well, you know, like, if you were to like, go looking for the decomposition products of parchment paper in your rosin. Okay. First thing you'd have to do is you'd have to find out what happens when you heat it up. So you have to put it into a enclosed, uh, like a headspace type analyzer, and heat it up until it gives off whatever, and analyze that gas. But then you also have to have half of what you're looking for in order to find the peaks on that machine. So it becomes a real challenge to analyze these things because they could be novel products, who knows? And I don't know what kind of research, you know, that's a lot of this stuff stays in the hands of the companies that, that make the products. But I mean, you could analyze the parchment paper itself that you use and then it would be on there, right? Well, you could analyze it as is, but that's not the same as the so what you're going to want to do is you're going to want to heat it and see what comes off. So you can maybe stick a, a bowl of parchment in a rosin press or something and sort of just squeeze the paper? Oh, I'm talking about putting it into like a headspace analyzer and mm. heating it and then analyzing what comes off and when you heat it. Sure. I, I mean, that sounds like the way to not do it at home. <laughs> the way to do it would be going pro, which is kind of what we like. Yeah, there is no doing this at home. So this is not a home-based experiment anyway. Uh, uh, basically, this is it, it's a very expensive process because you have to have a very dedicated PhD chemist who knows a shit ton about what goes into making parchment paper. As to what could possibly be the decomposition products of heat to what goes on the parchment paper. And that clues you into what to look for in the GCMS or whatever analytical material, analytical device you're using. Uh, because you have to have half a clue of what you're looking for before you go looking, or you're just staring at peaks on a graph. Uh, now, are you the guy, are you the guy who's qualified to do this, or is this one out of your, is this like a Dr. Mark type play? It's like, uh, give it to Dr. Mark. Give him maybe a half million dollar grant in a lab in five years. 
So it's that long a process that that sort of analysis would take. So what's going on when you press parchment paper to resin? To have the entire chemical map of what's going on there. So it, it's 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 a big thing, and and uh, even going to have to to those silicon silicon based chemistry to advise him because that's not organic chemistry. Well, it's still organic chemistry, but organic chemistry is a huge freaking subject. Mm -hmm. uh, my area of organic chemistry is in the diacetylation of beta naphthols. Okay? So I don't know what that means. Absolutely no sense to you. I know it. But that's what my education is, and that's where my expertise lies in organic chemistry. And how does that tie in with, uh, with our favorite herb? Well, it... It doesn't really. Uh, it's fair, fair. And what tied into was making a living. Okay, fair enough. Uh, back in back in 
the details of it. So, yes, uh, there is a ligand that produces a delta-3 THC. I don't know anything about the activity of that compound or anything else about that compound. Mm. All I know is that in order to form it, it has to have a similar biosynthetic uh, pathway as cannabis. And uh, the other end of it is, is that, you know, cannabinoids are... are, are are nutritional compounds. They're not drugs. Right. They're nutritional compounds. And so for them to be, you know, the precursors to be relatively ubiquitous, not surprising. Not surprising. The biosynthetic pathways, you know, nature doesn't like to read, like to, you know, it builds on what it's already done. So it's got something that works, it's going to use it. The biosynthetic pathways that make terpenes in all plants translate to the biosynthetic pathways that make terpenes in cannabis. Right. And that's kind of what I was scratching so, at. And now here's my, my weird sort of, this is my specialty gin question from that, right? Because I talked about that with Dr. Mark. Um, he wasn't familiar with that lichen, though, so that's an interesting spin on it. But now I think of, like, uh, a lot of the druid medicines and their use of, like, mistletoe and what we consider parasitic growths, which are largely lichens. And are they, were they potentially synthesizing cannabinoids or cannabinoid-like compounds in a lot of these, like, ritual formulations? I'm, I'm absolutely sure. In fact, you know, there's a, there's a specific um, type of lichen in the trees right here called the lungwort. Mm-hmm. It's a big, big, wide, it looks like alien skin. But dried and ground and used as a tea. Uh, it is extremely effective on lung ailments. Hmm. That's Very, very effective. But also, I know that it has very similar effect as that drying effect you get from cannabis. Sure. So, you know, basically, you use one word, you feel like you got caught in the way you burn or do. Advice to some thoughts, you know, okay, well, there's a lichen that makes a cannabinoid. Uh, all these biosynthetic pathways are in no way unique. You know, uh, maybe a cousin. Uh, cannabinoid-like compounds are very... Uh, a good example would be uh, echinacea. Okay. Or with... Uh, it's, it's got... Uh, Alcohol means in it that have, uh, well, it's a, a very potent CB2 stimulant. Okay, so it's, it, it's a CB2 agonist, it, it's a cannabinoid, right? So you use it, uh, if you want a really effective, like, cold compound, use cannabis and mechanicia together. Hmm. Activate both of your centers. You know, THC has limited effect on CB2. Uh, echinacea is extremely potent on CB2, as is uh, beta-carotene, like in black pepper. Sure. Um, in fact, you can add beta-carotene to a cannabis extract to the point you don't get cannabis extract anymore. I've heard that. So essentially it, it inhibits the interaction of THC? Or blocks the receptors? Uh, it binds locally to CB, it binds to a portion of the CB1 um, and partially blocks 
I've, I've heard that if you're too high, you should eat or sniff black pepper, so now there's, now there's a reason for it, at least. Yeah, well, I've done these experiments, and in, in, at, right at about 4%, um, the high, you know, 70% oil disappears. Really? At 4% beta carotene? And now there's some strains that have beta carotene in them, aren't there? Isn't there? Like, it's a terpene found in cannabis. Yeah, it's ubiquitous. It's in, um, it's in so many different different uh, foods that it's it's they call it the dietary cannabinoid. Mm. So it could be so, it could be something your your in your strain that's keeping your strain from getting you high. Well, um, I think it's biphasic, the same way cannabis is, and in lower concentrations it's additive, and in higher concentrations it's it's uh, antagonistic. Uh, most of these compounds are biphasic. They have different effects at low dose and degree of high dose. And uh, that's where we, you know, that's where uh, a little judicial restraint is the best course of action when trying to formulate a cannabis medicine. Uh, giving somebody something that puts them into blotto land thinking that it's going to be the best course of action isn't always the best course of action. Let's talk about that a little more. Uh, that's actually interesting because I think a lot of times, uh, especially when dealing with particular cancer or any very high stakes high situation, uh, the, the very common consensus is to the highest dose possible, get that dose as high as possible, obviously build the tolerance, but get that dose up there. It uh, basically... More important than dose is your serum concentration. Mm -hmm. How much of it is getting into your blood? Okay, if you need a gram of RSO, you need a gram of it. You absorb 7 to 12%. That's it. So you're... Now, formulate that gram into a suspension so that it gets absorbed by the mucosa uh, directly, um, it's in a suspension that perhaps protects it from digestive enzymes, uh, makes it more accessible to the bile system because without bile you do have from oral cannabis. Hmm. Uh, that's what allows your oral cannabis to actually work. The bile proteins bind to the cannabinoids you carry through the gut wall. So it's it's very important to to look at all these factors when you're when you're you're looking to use cannabis as a medicine. Um, cannabis oil is seven to twelve percent compounded product. You can you can up that up to twenty percent. So that's that's where you need to look at that. what you're doing with the connect with the with the cannabis. Uh, product, uh, and then who you're dealing with. Is this person acclimatized uh, to high doses of cannabis already? Because if they are, then their receptors are already upregulated and they're going to have to do different things. Um, it's, it's a very, it, it's a much more complex than just on off. It's like, uh, it's 
cut off. Given that we can finish this gift, this plant, and it's very complex, and the mechanism for understanding the plant is completely at odds with the mechanism that we use to understand a lot of other things in our reality and our world. Um, this plant is special, and analyzing it is going to take special tools. It's going to take a special item. When Mark went and did the NMR on it, I was really happy to see that happen. NMR is a great tool. I just wished it would have happened on the plant itself instead of a solvent extract. Sure. And, you know, I was actually having a discussion about the NMR the other day with someone. Can you explain the difference? Because I, I couldn't. What's the difference between, like, an NMR and a GCMS? I know that it doesn't uh, it doesn't heat the product, so there's no decomposition, but you're actually, like, looking at it, right? You're looking at it and, and looking at what's there? The molecular MRI. And? Describe it. An atomic MRI. So then you guys can kind of see, like, just how a doctor can look at an MRI and be like, oh, this is one of these, or this is one of those, you're actually looking at the compounds, the molecules. More or less, uh, it's, you know, you get a, spit out a bunch of data, and then it creates a model of what you're looking at. But it's a little bit more, it's less destructive, it's less invasive than uh, HPLC or DCMS. Hmm. Uh, basically, all you're doing is, is you're, Getting it with a magnetic pulse that causes things to vibrate, give off a certain amount of energy due to measured and then interpreted. It's the same as you going and get an MRI at the doctor's office, except it's being applied to molecules. And is there less margin of error with that? Potentially, mm. potentially there is, but given the fact that HPLC and GCMS have been around so much longer, um, I would say the chance for error with the older methods is less, mm. but you're not going to get as, as fine a result as you're going to get. Uh, NMR is going to give you some really, uh, you know, uh, highly defined results. Whereas you see the output on a GCMS or an HPLC, it's just peaks on a graph. Right. And with an NMR, you can get a little bit more information than that. You can maybe find out where the, you know, you can possibly point out active ligands on a molecule. There's, there's a lot more understanding available from an NMR analysis than a GCMS or HPLC. It's just at the next level of looking at something and not destroying it. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's... So you can test it. If you need one, going to be tested out. But as of right now, the way things have been left, and, you know, uh, basically, it's turned... Anybody with two nails to rub together mm -hmm. into a into a scientist, <laughs> and and it's uh, 
in the rosin making process or that's really unlikely? It's not gonna happen. Turn cold the diamonds, right? Like things could change at some point, but we're not dealing with enough. Sounds like wholly on rosin. I mean, do you think there's any substantial difference between rosin and a dry sift? Um, it depends on who does a dry sift. Yeah. It really does. Uh, you know, if you're really diligent, dry sift is uh, to personally, and I'm prejudiced. Dry sift hash is the best fucking hash on the earth. Yeah, I'm with you on that. It's the best thing you can smoke on the fucking planet. <laughs> yeah. It's got all the, it's, it's a complete trichome. It's got the plasmids that contain the terpenes. It's got the plasmids that contain the phenols. It's got the cannabinoid resins, all encased in nice little packages to keep it fresh. And, I mean, I guess rosin is basically the same, but does the heating pressure change it at all? Or you, you really feel like there's... Uh, maybe some yeah, definition? Has some effect. I mean, you know, uh, heat and pressure is largely what people use to catalyze reactions. Right. I'm sure that it has some effect. Uh, uh, I personally feel that heat and pressure cause a degree of polymerization among the terpenes and cannabinoids. I mean, that makes sense why rosin looks like shatter. That's what I think. I, you know, that's, that's my opinion as as a, as a scientist is that there is a degree of polymerization that is occurring uh, due to the heat and pressure, and you get this this uh, compound product of, of melted trichome pellicle mm-hmm. and and resin. And now um, you know, that that issue was part of the concern, your health concerns with some of the solvent concentrates was that it, it, these compounds that normally don't react in the trichome because they're separated, all of a sudden they're dancing around and linking up in ways that they wouldn't in the plant. Yeah, in, in a solvent, you, in a solvent, uh, you're basically, what you do when you melt the uh, as a trichome, you created a solvent, soluble situation. Um, 
I'm sure that there's some sort of, you know, unique bonding going on in there, too. Uh, in uh, salmon extract, you created a suit. One of the things about salmon extracts that, um, at least the salmon extracts as a popular now, they're done with really low boiling point solvents. Mm -hmm. So the temperature never really comes up on them. And temperature is really bad in background reaction. And so, you know, the lower temperature the things are happening, the less likely things are to, to actually react. But that being said, uh, we were talking earlier about we still don't know how much black is cannabinoids or vice versa. Um, when we make these these uh, soups, these extracted soups of solvent and uh, resin and lipids, um, there's every possibility, you know, given the fact that they're freed up, they're in a solution, if you've got a reactive uh, ligand and there's Those are the conditions you set up to create reactions in a lab. And you would catalyze those by adding heat and pressure. So if you were to like maybe rosin or scatter, there's other things. Uh, there, there are reactions that basically you have to go with my old line of synthesis, your diazotizations. Mm -hmm. Where that kind of overlap for me with cannabis was is that all my reactions were done at super cold temperatures. Mm -hmm. uh, in order to get the diazos that I made, I had to use a, a liquid nitrogen chamber to keep it cool enough to keep it from going reactive on me in the lab mm -hmm. in order to create compound itself. It has to be roughly minus 135, 140 degrees. And uh, that's too low for a dry ice. I had to use liquid nitrogen. Um, and yeah, uh, very reactive at that temperature. So, you know, there are things that can react at these super low cryogenic temperatures. Whether they exist in cannabis remains to be seen. Mm -hmm. But I can say this that there's a very low likelihood that any of the reactions that are going on in a cannabis extract, other than the fact that the, the lipids need to be pulled from this extraction, once it's de-spirinated, once it's de-waxed, there's very little there's very little probability that anything um, harmful or negative is actually going on. Very little probability. Uh, the class chemicals themselves, the phenotropines, very non-toxic. Mm -hmm. Very, very non-toxic. Uh, even, you know, when you, when you say you just uh, throw some cannabis into a brownie mix and eat the whole plant, you get everything. All the precursor compounds, everything. They're all good for you. Mm -hmm. They're all good. 
they've all been heated. They've all been mixed up in a bunch of other crap in the brownie mix. And that brownie mix has freaking stabilizer chemicals and all kinds of crazy crap in it. You pull those brownies out and they're still good for you. <laughs> so, uh, there is things to be concerned about. Uh, and, you know, I, you know that I'm kind of a harp on construction, and that's really where my worry would be over parchment paper, over silpat, over platinum uh, cured silpat, you know, all of it. I may be that you're extracting something and concentrating something to a degree that doesn't occur in any other form. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't get the same amount of purified waxes in any dry sift. You don't get the same amount of purified waxes. You're, you're talking about a, in a solvent extract. That, this wouldn't be the case in a rosin. You're getting these, they're isolated. They're, I mean, Going on from that process as opposed to 
taking a solvent and when you take a solvent you drive the solvent off, it takes and squeezes all the other molecules together. Everything that's being left behind is being pushed together as the solvent leaves. So I would expect there to be a degree of a different type but similar degree of polymerization from the solvent extract being purged and, and uh, cured as I would refer and uh, cured rosin. So uh, I was segueing to this before when I brought up my conversation with Dr. Mark and I completely left out what I wanted to ask you. Uh, I was, I, I, so I was doing this cannabinoid synthesis research last night and I came across a passage uh, talking about olivetol, uh, and I brought it up to Dr. Mark, and he's like, that's crazy, dangerous, da, da, da. and then I was like, Jim probably has done this. So, uh, apparently in Pakal, Shogun notes a crude method of producing THC product uh, by bringing to reaction olivetol and the essential oil obtained from an orange peel uh, in the presence of phosphoryl chloride. You can buy a turkey, and it's called citrol. And you can react with a Livetol and with Delta 9 THC. You've done this. That's an reaction. That is old, old, old stuff. Uh, and is it, I mean, it's the real deal? Yeah. But you're getting basically methanol. You know, uh, my experience is that pure THC really doesn't do jack shit. Right, but, you know, it, it, it gets you amping, it gets you a little, it's, more similar to crack than it is pot. Sure. I mean, it gets you amped up, makes your heart beat fast, uh, it gets you a little paranoid sometimes. Uh, not a fan, not a fan at all. Um, the, the acetyl version, acetyl THC, mm -hmm. same thing. Uh, it's just jumped up there and all. And, uh, no, I, I think, uh, yeah, Olivetol and, you know, the fact that Citrol is working in can, uh, uh, it would be unusual if cannabinoids didn't arise, mm -hmm. given the fact that the plant produces Olivetol and Citrol. Uh, so now the thing was, in this reaction, they said you also had to use the phosphoryl chloride, which Mark said was super dangerous and I don't know anything about. Yeah, it is. Do you know this reaction? Like a, one of the most nasty shit and things you can think of. Uh, it's a, it's a, there's, I used to work with a similar compound called, I used to work with ethylene dichloride and uh, I used to work with another compound called uh, sulfuryl chloride. Mm. Uh, this phosphoryl chloride is basically phosphoric acid and hydrochloric acid dehydrated together. Sulfuric chloride is the same thing, but with sulfuric acid mm. instead of phosphoric. They're extremely powerful oxidizers, they're really hyperstopic, and the rest, they're freaking dangerous as all well. Um, so how come the plant doesn't need them? The plant is able to just react the terpene and the uh, olivetol and kick out the THC. Mm -hmm. So uh, you know, all the current things that organic chemists have to do to get things to happen in the plant. 
happen in a kinder, gentler fashion. How the bad shit? Could you figure out an enzyme? And not you, but could it theoretically be possible to do so? Yeah, we've already done it. We've got yeast. He's involved with one of those projects, and he told me it was cool, but it wasn't cost effective. At the end of the day, you weren't. It was cheaper to just grow it in the plant form now. Absolutely. I mean, how is it going to be more cost effective to genetically engineer something and hover the bag and cost for that? And then all the proof of concept that you have to have to patent it. And then all this and that and everything. How is it going to be profitable then? What you're looking for is, you know, in three months. But now, as a side note, it's fairly interesting to me. So here's the thing a lot of people who want medical cannabis in other states, and we can direct them to, say, uh, Mary's Nutritionals to buy a high-quality CBD, but they can't get their hands on THC. But if they could theoretically just buy a orange peel extract and olivetol and react them uh, safely to make THC, that, that could be huge uh, in the prohibition lands. Well, when you're basically cooking a Schedule I substance, yeah, you would be in a lot of trouble if you got caught, there's no doubt. But, uh... It's basically the same thing as if you get caught cooking acid. You're going to go to jail for a very, very long time. But you would be cooking THC then. That's kind of awesome. It's, uh... It's just another trouble. I mean, you know, and there's more than one pathway to it. I'm sure there's more benign pathways to it than the olivetol citral reaction. Uh, you know, uh, that would just be something that, you know, um, you know, if, 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 if me and Mark had uh, a trust fund to drink from, we could probably figure that out in, in a few years. But, you know, uh, it would be, are we going to get busted in the meantime? And, you know, be looking at our families through a glass window? <laughs> Well, uh, because you, you set out to cook a Schedule 1 substance, you're setting out to commit a major failure. I mean, is it particularly different? I mean, you're, neither of us is a lawyer, but they extract it's pretty much manufacturing, right? Yeah, and then federalize is not that much different than cooking it. But the thing of it is, is that, you know, in order to make this, you know, to do this organic reaction, you have to have a first part of the laboratory, mm -hmm. reagents. Most of the reagents you can put in the box the EA. That's four chloride being one of them. So you can't just mix all of it all and, uh, and your citral and make this happen? No, uh, you can't just like throw them together in a glass, shake them out, microwave for 45 seconds, and pull out THC. Well, that's, that's unfortunate. Yeah, you've got to go through some, you know, you've got to make derivatives of the olivetol, you know, it's, it's complex. Mm. It's, it's complex. It's much more complex than, than acetylating THC with glaciers. Way more complex. And, by God, they know that most of the people doing that shit should not be doing it. So the acid is not a is not to be toyed with. It's a very dangerous chemical. Mm. So, you know, uh, uh, that's what I, when I said that anybody with two nickels is a scientist now in cannabis, it's because 
people are taking that old green book and was it canvas alchemy. Sure. They're making THC acetate following that old recipe from cannabis alchemy. Uh, you know, there needs to be some new science. Uh, guys like Mark uh, are going to step up to the plate and, you know, he's still young enough that he can get out there and grab himself a ground one day. He'll probably be in his early 50s when this is all going down and he'll be just primed to do it. And, you know, it'll get worked out. But until there's some major changes to the federal outlook on cannabis and THC in particular, don't go looking for a synthetic life because you've got a plant that is right now floating under some sort of like ghostly protection. Mm. Uh, the fact that so many people want cannabis is deflecting the fact that it is a Schedule One drug. Whereas if you isolate the pure chemicals, if you get into making pharmaceutical products, you're going to draw the eye of your competition. That's what we're trying to do here, buddy. Well, you do not want to actually draw the eye of your competition because they will kill you. Yeah. I don't mean they will sue you. They will kill you. People die over this. People die over billions of dollars, okay? And that's what we're talking about. We're talking about billions of dollars. Cannabis is a multi-billion dollar market. Not just medicinally, but fiber, plastics. You get down and start dissecting all the money that is going to be made from cannabis. We're talking about billions and billions. Of, we're talking about petrodollars. You know, uh, you do not want to anger the big competition. Because, you know, it sounds dramatic, but it's the reality. Uh, people disappear over stepping on their own toes. And, you know what? Uh, there's still enough of the old drug warrior mentality in this country to not miss it. If we lose one stone in there, God miss him. Well, that's, I mean, we disappear all the time for reasons along those lines, but no one knows where we're going. Yeah. Yeah, but if you disappear and <laughs> don't get found, and they nobody, they no address to write you letters, that's a whole different kind of disappear. Sure. No. And it happens. I mean, in the underground chemist community? Well, let's put it this way. When I moved to where I'm at, I live in Coos County, Oregon, Nashville. I was told when I moved here, and I said that I had a background in a bank. Because guys like you disappear. I mean, I believe it. You know what's breaking bad? Seen where Jesse's tied up in the lab with a chain? Sure. If you know how to cook math, that can happen to you. Right. That makes sense. So, yeah, uh, it does happen. If you have arcane knowledge that people want, they'll come get it from you. They'll take it by force. Take it. 
Sure. And piss off a billion dollar, multi billion dollar company. They do whatever they want. I hate to take it into this kind of like dark and kind of scary turn of events, but there's a reason why, you know, a lot of this stuff just hasn't like taken off the way it could have. Mm. It's because, you know, people get threats. That's really? Disappear. Well, you people get threats. I mean, disappear. I say, law enforcement and get told, hey, you don't duck your head, let's go on to jail. Sure, that's, that's happened to people we know. There's stuff out there to suppress. And that's where, you know, the answer is that, you know, most of these people, well, they're available for everything else. Why isn't it available for cannabis? It's because, no, we do not want that. They don't want the answers until they own the answers. I guess that's why we got to keep doing shows like this to make it a pain in the ass for them. Hopefully we don't disappear. Well, that's basically what my last work now is I just, uh, I've, I've got to be a burr in their riches. Not so much of a burr that they, they're digging me out with a needle, but enough of a burr that it keeps things uncomfortable until they just decide it's not worth fighting over anymore. Because that's they're gonna get, yes, they're gonna get their peace. Everybody knows. I mean, I'm watching a war out here in Oregon, and good lord, are they gonna get their peace? So you know, okay. Once everybody gets turned down the greed, then shit's gonna start to get happening, and things are gonna get done, and information is gonna happen, and. Guys like Mark are going to get like, funded to do real work. Um, and, you know, it's just all this YouTube science is going to go away. Well, hopefully our YouTube science stays around because uh, I'm, I'm a big fan of these things, buddy. Um, on that note, Jim, we're up to an hour 15 here. You told me you're about an hour away from the pots, so I want to let you get back to your purge, my friend, and we're going to continue with the show. Thank you as always, Jim Fair, for joining well, us. Chatting with you again, I, I just want to express that I appreciate the Adam Dunn show very much. You guys are doing a really fine job of like keeping it, keeping it on proper track. And uh, if you would, next time you see Adam, just give him a big fucking kiss and tell him it's from Jim. <laughs> he's listening right now, so I'm sure he's going to hold me to that. <laughs> all right, all right. It's really great chatting with you all and sending out the love to the cannabis community. Uh, just want everybody to remember you're in Oregon, ask for ASB products, and hope you all have a great day. Yeah, Jim, thanks again to you. And that's Applied Synergy Botanicals.com. You can uh, find out uh, all about Jim's products. And Jim, do you have a list of stores up on the site? I know you're all over the place now. Oh, you know, I can't keep up with it. Our distribution company is marching us all over the state right now, so mm -hmm. I really can't keep up with it. But highlydistributed.com, check it out. Moving and shaking in the cannabis world of Oregon right now. Awesome. Thanks, Jim. I'll talk to you, man. You take care. Take care. Bye-bye. gang so that was Jim Frere uh you heard it from him as far as the rosin uh 
as we thought, you know, it takes a lot more than just dissolving it in a vial to tell what it is. Uh, and more than that, probably nothing bad. Uh, there should be waxes in there. You have this, the, the trikes are on there. They're part wax. You dissolve it, the other stuff dissolves. The trike doesn't, the wax doesn't dissolve. That makes perfect sense to me. Uh, let's try some doing some fancy sponsor shout outs. Let's see how this works here. Big, big shout out to Way to Grow. Hey, look at that. That's pretty good. Big, big shout out to Way to Grow, number one sponsor of the Adam Dunn Show. Uh, you can check them out at www.waytogrow.com. Right now, they are doing, I'm pulling up the sale. In the meantime, you should know they have seven stores all over Colorado. The Platte River store has the uh, there. So all the stores now have concentrate sections, but the concentrate corner is your headquarters uh, to make concentrates. Uh, so uh, right now at Way to Grow, uh, they're having a sale on. It's loading. Sorry, my internet connection's a little strained. It's still the Merry and Bright sale. That Sun System LECs, uh, the 315 volt 439, the 240 volt 419, the 630 watt 120 volt 765, and the 630 watt 240 volt 699. And guys, if you see those crappy old hoods sitting up there, my old magnetic ballast. They're sitting up there in this tent sitting behind me because i got to make it down a way to grow uh, and pick up some LECs because I said I'm not hanging them again until I have LECs. Um, sounds like we may have lost some volume here. I think I know what was happening before on the volume. I'm going to go ahead and bring it up, and now I know how to fix it. You were getting my volume both through the stream and through Skype before. I'll pick the volume back up. Hopefully you can hear me again. Um, try now. Hopefully, guys, you can hear me, and we'll bump all the levels back. Here we go. There we go. All right, we should be back now, and what I'm going to do is I'm actually going to adjust the Skype volume so I can keep the levels here. Uh, that seems to be the smartest way to go about doing this. Right on, gang. Um, let's keep it rolling, then. On the shout-outs. Nope, that's way to grow again. Sorry, I'm just learning how to drive this damn thing. Boom, there we go. Big, big shout-out to Incredibles Edibles, Colorado's number one edible. Uh, literally, they just won the same contest the kid won, the champ won. Pardon me. Uh, they took uh, all sorts of prizes in the edibles category. Uh, best overall, highest testing. Uh, they won with the pumpkin spice bar, which I haven't tried yet, but they took best overall with the Makiba bar. Uh no, that's not true. They took the best overall with the Affogato bar, and I don't know what I'm talking about. Uh, but Incredibles Edibles, you can check them out at IncrediblesColorado.com. Uh, and if you're visiting Colorado, they got them in recreational stores. They got them in uh, medical stores. They're all over the place, and they're pretty much everywhere. They're the one really widely distributed uh, edible, and it's great because their quality is definitely there. Of course, big, big shout-out to the homies at build a soil uh, that's what else is going in this tent behind me. If you guys want me to do the show down here, tell Adam, because he refuses to come here, and I think it's going great. But anyway, uh, yeah, of course, build the soil. Our, uh, number one source for lazy gardeners. You want to be lazy? You want to just feed your plants water? Not have to mix bottles? Not have to shake things? Not have to measure? Build the soil is a good way to go. Uh, if you don't have any time to do stuff like myself, build the soil is probably the only way to go. Uh, you can check them out at buildthesoil.com or give them a ring, 855-877-SOIL. Uh, you can tell Jeremy, he'll tell you all about what he's got going on, what he thinks would be great to be going on for you. Of course, also a big, big shout out, Dark Horse Genetics. Uh, Ryan's right down there right now, and I, the big news in Dark Horse World is that Dark Horse 
Jack's brand, uh, Extracted Colorado, home of the champ, uh, just took first place, People's Choice, and Connoisseur's Choice at the THC Championship here in Colorado uh, for their rosin. That was Scott Sour Flowers. Um, really, really excited to be putting the Extracted products out on shelves. I believe we have some stores uh, lined up that'll be picking up uh, by the end of this week. Uh, one of Bike's favorite stores here in Denver will be stocking uh, extracted rosin. Uh, what else we got here? What else we got here? Uh, of course, big, big shout out to the good friends at Elite Cannabis. I didn't put the Mary Nutritionist logo up. I could do a text overlay, but I'm not trying to get too fancy here. I just want to do the show. Uh, again, as we were talking about with Jim, uh, people need CBD everywhere. They usually can't get it, even in places where they can get herb that's relatively high in THC. They can't necessarily get any CBD with it. So send them to marysnutritionals.com. Uh, that's where you can get um, – you guys know, we don't take a sponsor from the show that we don't believe in 110, 120%. Uh, and Elite is absolutely someone we believe in 120%. Uh, they are top of the line in terms of production, quality. Uh, cleanliness, uh, facilities, staff, professionalism. They have a store in Loveland, a farm store. If you're local to us here and you're looking to pick up uh, some organic supplies, specialty stuff that's uh, maybe a little uh, different than the build-a-soil approach, um, you can check them out at uh, EliteCannabis.com. And then you can also, of course, go to Mary'sNutritionals.com. And that'll do it for shout-outs. i got to figure out how to fix all kinds of stuff. My camera slipping i'm gonna get cheesecake lady lined up uh, i'm gonna it's hard because usually i would have someone like the champ to do the graphics but i'm doing the graphics holding it down doing the filler talk it's tricky i'm multitasking like a mother right now it's kind of crazy um i'm gonna check the chat room in a minute and a lot of people have been asking about the word from the last episode this is typically where I would defer to someone else, but as there is nobody else here, uh, I can't do that. Um, so we're going to uh, figure it out on the fly here. I can't just ask who knows the word, because I know a bunch of you know it. That's not a good contest. The first person's not very fair. I'm going to say you got to use the word in... Write a poem. Write a poem. A haiku. There we go. Uh, the first person to email a haiku, that is actually a proper haiku, uh, to info at adamdunshow.com that uses our word uh, in a way that is not pure nonsense, will win a pack of, hmm, let me see here, let me see here. Um, here's what we're going to do. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to go, boom, I got my, uh, since we're in my basement, my seed collection is like right over there. So I can go grab it. Uh, give me a sec here. Let's do this. Okay, back to that. Okay, cool. And let me go grab some seeds, guys. Um, I can try to put on some music while I'm doing that, but I don't want to blow it. Uh, but, you know, we don't do the dead air thing. This is a tough call. This is a tough call. I wish I had someone else here to help. Um, yeah, I don't have any music handy. Um, what about, I don't want to put on an old episode of the show, that would be ridiculous. Um, yeah, sorry guys, I'm just going to keep talking, I'm going to be getting far away from the mic, so I apologize that the sound's going to shit, but I'm going to get you, go oh wait, oh wait, hold on, I'm not going to be able to do, yeah, the sound's going to get a little bad, but I'll keep chatting it up, 
Uh, grab a pack from here. Let's see what we got. Oh, I know exactly what I'm going to give away, you guys. Uh, let's see what we got here. Yup. Here we go. I'm coming back over there. Thanks for the patience, gang. Jeez. It's hard to be in my own basement doing a show. Life's weird like this. Um, hold on. I'm trying to set this shot up. Well, we have all this fancy technology. By the way, today's show is literally on my laptop and my cell phone, held together with duct tape, um, but working. So I'm pretty psyched. Shout out to uh, duct tape and bootleg hack technology. Okay, switch back to this camera. Cool. And then I'm going to set this up. Mm-hmm. Okay. And do this, and there we go. So, what I got for my giveaway Cult Classic Seeds Shapeshifter. That's uh, the Bobby Northern Lights crossed with uh, Memory Loss uh, clone only. Uh, it's Cult Classic Seeds. Uh, you can find them on Instagram. You can, uh, I think, find them some places online. Uh, I was really pleased to run into Marcus out there at Emerald Cup. And uh, it was great. He's, he's <laughs> Emerald Cup, I can't tell you how great it was. Everybody, all the homies that I get to see maybe once every couple of years, I got to see them all at the same time, and they were all psyched to see each other. It was really cool. So if you want to win this pack of the Cult Classic Seeds Shapeshifter, and, oh, I'm sorry, I read that cross wrong. It's the Old Man's Perp cross to the Malawi Northern Lights Haze. So it's a three-way cross. Apologies for that. Um, and if you do want to get a hold of that pack, the first person to send an actual haiku using the word of the show from the last show uh, will get it. And it does have to be a haiku. Uh, hopefully, uh, you guys can stay ahead of the game by knowing the format. Um, hey, while we're at it, big, big shout-out to MeUndies. Uh, love you guys to sponsor the show. The underwear is unbelievably comfortable. If I can convince you to watch and uh, sponsor us like I did with your Mate, that would be cool. Because uh, I know Adam wants hemp underwear. Funny story that Adam and I took from Emerald's Cup. I'm telling you, Emerald's Cup was the shit. Um, we are talking with a guy Adam knew from way back with hemp underwear. And uh, he told the story about Jack Herrer, which is always cool. And Jack had said to the guy, you know, your underwear, it's the best. Normal underwear, I got to change after like two, three days. But your underwear... Four, five, no problem. Uh, so that's that's our uh, Jack Herrer hemp underwear story. Underwear that I change every day because they make so many cool ones is MeUndies. Uh, check them out, MeUndies.com. And while I'm shouting out things I like, Sotva mattresses, dude. Uh, I bought one. I recommended it to Bike. Bike's all about it, too. So uh, I definitely recommend Sotva mattresses as well. Uh, so we got kick lady lined up hopefully she'll call in in a second here i don't know if that's going to happen but uh when adam dunn is sitting uh with danny danko too well let's do cheese lady first and then dunsky if you want a skype call with da oh you know what dunsky better than skype call check this out i'm going to send you a link uh via facebook and when i do that go ahead and use that uh to make it happen. I think that's going to be the best way to do it. Uh, so hold on one second. That's that new thing that I've been uh, playing with. 
Uh, that's going to give us a better quality than just a Skype call, and I can directly patch you in. In the meantime, I'm going to wait for a call from the cheesecake lady here. Fire at will. She has the number. Oh, but I won't hear Skype ring because I turned my volume off. Okay, i got to really pay attention to this then. Um, well, I guess I should just have my speakers back on. And hopefully this will work. Now what I'm going to do, guys, is I'm going to lower the Skype volume. So we're, we may have some sound playing with again. Uh, so, again, keep me keep me posted as to how it's working for you out there in chat world. And big shout out to chats. Um... I'm, fuck Russell, you're like a chat admin, I don't know how, I don't know if I can actually make you a chat admin, but you've taken on the responsibilities of them admirably, sir, um, I'm sorry, I'm reading a haiku, uh, Jody Nars, that is awesome, but you have to email it, uh, I, I actually love that haiku, uh, frankly, you should just copy and paste that really quick, uh, because you deserve this. Yes, my pipe is what keeps tapping, uh, Tim. I have a... Uh, sorry, it was... Uh, and the keys, you're probably hearing when I type on my laptop, uh, the mic picks it up. So when I'm messaging Cheesecake Lady and doing the show stuff, uh, you're going to hear tip-tap-taps. Uh, so, which email? The email is going to be info at adamdunshow.com or mitch at adamdunshow.com. You can email me at either one of those. With the haiku, uh, if you beat Jody Nars to it, then sucks, but hopefully that all works out. And then uh, please include your mailing address. And since we're not in the studio, but we're actually in my basement where I have stamps and envelopes right there, that'll get taken care of right friggin' now. Um, what else we got here? Mm -hmm, no cheesecake lady yet. Uh, Dunsky, hold on for the link. Here it comes, buddy. Um... That's going to take a second. I'm going to end up with dead air if I keep doing that. Oh, that's tricky. Uh, mm, I got to just pay attention. This is going to be really hard. Okay, Adam Dunn, check your Facebook messages right now. Boom. New message to Adam Dunn. Facebook, boom. If you click that link, Adam... I'll see you chime in, and I can bring you in right now. We'll push the Cheesecake Lady back, and we'll go live with Adam from uh, the High Times Business event in Washington, D.C. Pan back to this camera for now. Aha! There we go. All right, uh, Adam, I'm going to look for you on that link. Cheesecake Lady, I'm still waiting for you on Skype. If you're calling in, uh, do it. Uh, first come, first serve on that. Chat room, what do you guys got going on? Hopefully something awesome. Uh, let's see. All right. I just got to set up the live interview. Okay. So Adam is not in yet, but that's all right. Chat gang, uh, what else do we want to do this show? Uh, I'm going to get Jack's Mean Gene set up uh, to call in too. Because uh, we're, we're not a show time here, man. We've been broadcasting hour 40. Jeez, this one's going... Pretty quick. Um, do do do. Jackson. Here we go. Shooting him a message right now. So we'll get Adam in. Uh, we'll get Adam in for about half an hour. Lady for half an hour. We'll take Jackson for the last 20 minutes of the show if we can. 
In the meantime, Don, please click that link I sent to you on Facebook so we can get you up. Nah, he's just playing around in the chat room. Joking around. Don, click the link in your Facebook messages. Just type it to you in chat, buddy. Otherwise, we're not going to be able to get this live at all. Uh, cheesecake Lady, I'm going to hit up again. And I apologize if the camera gets all wobbly on this close shot. I'm using a uh, shitty... So this is called like a bridge table. It's one of those folding tables. This got thrown together in about 15 minutes. Well, it took longer than that, but it's working pretty well. Uh, plus, no no champ to uh, guide me. This is uh, well out of my friggin' wheelhouse. Um, Mr. Dunn, let's get you connected uh, with Mr. Danko. Uh, no, 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 no action from Adam. Uh, Check gang. Give uh, Adam link no work. Adam says that's bad news. Uh, call me on Skype. I'll pick it up. I'll uh, make sure I have Skype open right now. Uh, oh, you know what? I can call you on Skype, Don. I'm calling you right now. Um, we're gonna try a voice call. Don, you're ringing. Let's see if he picks up. person whom you're trying to reach uh, is currently unavailable. Currently unavailable, Sage Master. Answer, pick up uh, your phone. We'll call him back in a sec. Uh, Cheesecake Lady, hopefully, will be ready to call in a sec. Um, shout out to whoever's smoking an 8081 Georgia skunk in the chat room. I'm about to pack up some of this roadkill skunk cross that Buddy hooked me with uh, in honor of that because uh, that's the goodness. Man, I wish I had filler music to play because I gotta dump into production mode here. Mine's totally blanking out. Uh, somebody fucking calling on Skype. Uh, call in 720-310-8237 or uh, just Skype us at Adam Dunshow. Get a better call quality if you do that. Uh, I'll try Adam again here. Oh, uh, he's away. He's away. He's always away. Adam, come back, buddy. All right, no dice on that. Uh, let's see. Jackson. I'm gonna... Jackson seems to be available. Still do want to let him go at the end, so I'm gonna ask him. You guys may hear my family upstairs. It's a pretty crazy show down here. And I'm gonna hop back over to the chat room. Troy Ridge, you gotta email it. Oh, I got an email. What does this say? Cuttlefish come took. Cuttlefish in glass I will blow. Cuttlefish glass bong go. I don't know if that makes sense to me because I don't know if you're referring to cuttlefish as like a... I, I was referring to cuttlefish as like a creature. Uh, and that's what the first uh, haiku I got in chat was correct with. Uh, if I don't get another one, we'll go with that one. But uh, email them. Keep them coming, guys. Uh... Let me pull up someone's number. Adam, let's try calling Adam again. We're gonna Skype call him. Uh, let's see if he picks up. I'm call I'm Skyping you right now, Adam. Asking in chat if you're on Skype. You 
You guys want to talk Emerald Cup stuff? We can talk Emerald Cup stuff. Test results. That's a great uh, point. The person who you're trying to reach. Hang on. Let me cut. Let me cut Skype. Okay. Um, you know, Adam and I were talking about it before. I think they handled it in the most responsible way they could. Um, you know, they they tested everything before they gave it to the judges. And then they gave it to the judges at what passed. Uh, so, out of 600 entries, stuff was outdoor. There was a, oh, of course, now Adam's calling in. We'll talk about it with Adam. Hang on one second. Yo, yo. Yo, yo, can you hear that? Yo, yo. Yo, yo. Adam, can you hear? Adam. Adam. Yo, yo, can you hear? Yeah, can you hear? I can't put you on the video. I, I have a program I can theoretically do, but I didn't uh, set it up. Now I lost you. I have no sound. Yeah, 
Gandhi's DC native, right? That was his idea, was that. We figured On, on that call, yeah, so we'll go back, sorry, that was, uh, that's what happens when we try to slap that shit together, I'm gonna re reject the call until I can figure some shit out, um, guys, are we sounding good again? Bring up the Skype settings for audio, yeah, I got that going, Tim, um, uh, but that's not what's happening, um, yeah, we're gonna... I'm going to keep playing with the audio settings. In the meantime, we're going to talk Emerald's Cup while I figure this out. Um, so, Emerald's Cup, as far as the test results, yeah, stuff tested dirty, but they didn't give it to any judges to smoke. Like, no one smoked that stuff. If anything, uh, they prevented uh, the judges from smoking it. Most cups give it to the judges and test it afterwards. To me, that shit was awesome. I was a big fan of that. Uh, Adam is now messaging me, so bear with me so I can message him back. Oh, Adam keeps calling. Um, I don't have like the detailed mixer the mixer that the uh, that the kid has because I'm just doing this on my laptop, so I can't play with uh, all the levels. Maybe I can go to the Skype settings and tweak some stuff. So bear with me on that. I'm gonna try to do that. Um, these guys are working on the email. So yeah, Emerald's Cup. Yeah, the fact that there were entries that had mold. Okay, it's outdoor. You know. I, I'll be honest, some of that hash that, that tested out, like, we never smoked it, they never gave it to us, it looked really bad, though, it definitely did look super duper bad, and, uh, yeah, <laughs> there's, I got nothing else to say about that, um, it, um, so, with that said, it didn't get, it didn't get entered, but it didn't get 
smoked, it got, you know, prevented from being an issue for anyone. So, I don't know. I'm a big... I think it was great. I think that's the way to do it. More responsibly in any way, shape, or form. Um, so, I don't know. I, I, What do you guys think? Do you think it should have been done different way? Um, let, let me know. I, I don't... I don't think, uh, I don't think anyone could have done it differently. Uh, the flower that was there, now one best flower was Jackson, who we're going to have on later. Um, he, three of his, uh, oh, Croptober brings it up, but the pesticides, again, no one smoked it. Um, people used it, sure, and that's the whole point. The whole point of, uh, making it an all-organic competition is to make sure, again, no other cup does the pesticide. They they give that to people to smoke. That stuff enters. And yes, they did eliminate... Oh, Sun Grown Med said they smoke that stuff. That's interesting. Uh, I don't know that uh, that's new to me, that the judges did smoke the stuff before testing. Um, we certainly didn't smoke it till after testing. We got... Stuff was eliminated. And that's the thing. Tim told us at first that there were 600 things, um, but that... There weren't really 600 because uh, many were eliminated. So I would love to see, but Croptober, you also heard that judges were smoking them before pulling out. Um, I'd love to hear more about that. That's news to me, and I'm interested in it for sure. Um, I think I think entries should be tested before people try them. That's I agree with you then. Uh, that's how it should work. People shouldn't have to smoke